Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, in preparation for Sabbath, November 25th, we look at Lesson 8, Mission to the Needy. Together, let's see God's call upon our lives to take care of those He has put into our path who need our help. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, uh, lesson eight, I can't believe it, uh, mission to the needy. And our memory text is Matthew 25, verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to the least, to, the, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Beautiful text that, you know, I've often thought of when I see homeless people, Buster, and, and yet it pricks our hearts and says, you know, it's, we can't get, ever get complacent. Yes. And, and recognizing it's more than us, uh, oftentimes, mm-hmm. and by us, I mean, not just us as individuals. We know some people are like that, mm-hmm. but then oftentimes, uh, just about the church and we, Ooh. everything is inside of those four walls. Christ has called us to go outside of those walls and, and I, don't, I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've heard, well, are they going to get Bible studies after we do that? Like, that's not mm-hmm. what it's for. We're not, we're not bait and switching. We are called to do good because our master, our, our Lord, is good. We're called mm-hmm. to go out and not just spread the gospel, but spread the gospel through good deeds, uh, through love, through mercy, through compassion. And so all this comes to mind. We, mm-hmm. We've done at least these, my brother. It's not a star on a crown saying, hey, look what I did. I, look how great I am. No, because I love God, I choose to love others. Because I love God, I choose to love others. Irrespective of the results. Yes, there we go. So, Michael, tell us about the faith of friends. Okay. Well, you know, this is a, a passage taken from Luke chapter uh, 5 verses uh, 17 to 26. And this is, you know, really one of those incredible stories in scripture. People know Jesus's reputation as, as a healer, right? Healing the sick. And so a group of friends bring a paralyzed man and they try to get to Jesus. They can't get there. And what has to be one of the, the ironic moments of the new Testament, they, they take him up to the roof and lower him down. And Jesus sees, he sees this man in his faith, his friend. And I like this. I, Jesus calls him friend. Yeah. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Cause that truly was what was, was what he needed to hear first and foremost. And, uh, and of course, then everyone gets caught up in the, who can forgive sins, right? The Pharisees and, and everything else. And, and Jesus will rebuke them. So what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk because yeah. uh, he's healed physically, literally healed as well. And, and it, it's a, it's a spiritual, spiritual rebuke. But I, I like that, you know, it's it, last week we talked about faith and, and action, right? Does things here. Here's the faith of this man and his friends who precipitates him being lured from the, from the precipice of the roof <laughs> into their midst to be able to meet Jesus and Jesus already knew him. He's calling him friend, which is uh, such a, again, such a beautiful thought to think about that 
Jesus's first interaction with him uh, is, you know, you could have come and said, you know, I'm the ruler of the universe, you know, bow down, you know, be sense. But no, Jesus came alongside as, as friend and savior. And I love how Ellen White talks about how Jesus mingled among people, right? Desiring right. their good. And that this was the, the Christ method that alone will achieve true success. And this is just a reminder of that and sets the stage for, you know, there are people through no fault of their own, you know, both individually, but also systemically that collectively fall through the margins into the cracks and that just need a helping hand. Yes. Uh, There's no other way to put it. There's no other need, way to put it. Yeah. They need help. And, and that's part of our mission too, is, is to be that friend who sees the person who's downtrodden, can't help themselves and to take them to Jesus. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do is to be that kind of friend. Not, we're, we're not saying forcing that person to Jesus, <laughs> but <laughs> inviting them and, and as a catalyst to help them find their way. That might mean sometimes that we have to take people up onto the rooftop, you know, metaphorically, that we have to yes, go that yes. extra mile or whatever it is so that people have that living encounter with Jesus that they so much need. Well, I was getting ahead of myself. Here's Monday's lesson, Christ method alone. I, I just get so excited, Buster. I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah. No, Michael, that's why we work uh, in tandem so well together <laughs> because we have fun. I mean, yeah, we, and we, we have a heart for people and uh, mm. God, God is good. What else can we say? Yeah, amen. Which brings us to Ministry of Healing, page 143, and uh, a little snippet to add to this, because I think uh, most people have been in the church for more than five years have probably heard this. If you haven't, remind your pastor you of to. this. Uh, yes, remind your pastor of this. That's uh, right. Christ's Christ method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mm. mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his, his sympathy for them ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. My snippet that I'm going to add there at the end is most of us, including myself for many, many years, concentrated on that follow me, right? Come join the church, bolster our numbers, help us to look good, help us fill the church, follow me. Uh, what, what can we do to get them to follow me? But I, I want to take this and look at this with the sincerity of heart. There was no bait and switch here. There's so many people that Jesus healed, that he ministered to, that he spoke to, that he he gave them the invitation of this life, but it wasn't it wasn't for any benefit of himself other than he wanted to give them eternal life. And with that eternal love, he loved them regardless if they were going to receive his gift or not. There's probably a lot of people, not not probably, there were a lot of people who received healing from Christ who still today receive healing from Christ, who will not get to see eternal life because they chose not to follow. But it doesn't stop him from healing. It doesn't stop him from loving. And it's the same call for us. And I, I want us to separate the two of follow me from the doing good of, 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 of reaching out, of ministering to their needs. If they choose to follow, yes, we give an invitation, but if they choose not to follow, that's perfectly fine. We're called to love on people as Christ did. And it gives some examples here, Michael, John chapter five, one through nine, the pool of Bethesda. He mm -hmm. goes up to someone who is an invalid for 38 years. And he asks this person, do you want to be made well? 
And oh man, I love reading the Desire of Ages version of this. It says that that from his 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 deepest crevices of himself, he says yes. And that with mm. that faith, that faith is what causes him to be able to get up, pick up his bed and his mat and walk. And the man at once was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. And it also talks about Mark chapter 1, 23 to 28, a demoniac who, yes, demons are cast out. Just then a man in their synagogue was possessed with an impure spirit, cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Didn't we read that last week, Michael? Even the, the demons believe and tremble. Verse 25, be quiet, and uh, said Jesus sternly, come out of him. And the impure shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people are all amazed. What, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives order to impure spirits, and they obey him. And the news spread about him all throughout Galilee. And, and the reason why I shared this, the reason why the lesson shares these is because this was Christ's method alone. He went around leaving a trail of healing, of help, of good deeds behind him. And the sympathy that he's showing, this love that he was showing actually won a lot of people to accept the Lord as a savior. And it wow. should be the same thing that happens today. The church should be so ingratiated with the community and so loving the community that there is a trail of healing behind us rather than inside of the church, a trail of hurt. And uh, we could go on and on about this, Michael. There's a lot of people who've come to church that have been hurt by the church and refuse to go back. If you're one of those mm -hmm. people, listen to this. Go back and be a source of healing. Go back and be a source of sympathy. Go back and be a source of ministering unto needs so that people will be paid to not just follow Christ, but to fall in love with him because they're glorifying the father that they've seen in you. And so, Michael, tell us about refugees and immigrants. Yeah, absolutely. So here we are looking at this whole question, which is very relevant in our world today. I mean, we like to think that refugees and immigrants, you know, yes, it, it, it was a biblical challenge. Because human nature has never changed in the fact that human resources are limited, that people will gravitate from areas of war and lack of food and water to places that do have them. And so you're going to always see this. This is going to happen to the end of time. And certainly as of in recent years, recent decades, this has accentuated, become a, a very, very real challenge in many different parts of the world. Well, there's a couple of biblical principles and how to deal with refugees and immigrants, a couple of key texts. Mm -hmm. And I just want to go through these very quickly. Uh, they're all very short, but I, I think it's, uh, these are poignant, um, illuminating spiritual lessons for us. First one comes from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19. And you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. So he's reminding the children of Israel. Don't be harsh on immigrants because there was a time when you guys were immigrants. And, and I find this very challenging and ironic because sometimes it's those who I've met who they themselves are immigrants who are the harshest towards other immigrants. Oh, Michael came and out I wanna, to get through today. <laughs> I'm trying to, be, trying to be kind, unless you're a native uh, uh, indigenous uh, roots of, of 
all of us were immigrants, but but it is interesting to me. I, I I do, and I realize there are laws, there are processes, and the there are even political aspects. And I'm not trying to make a partisan or political statement. As as Seventh Day Adventists, we do our best to to remain out of the fray of partisan politics. Right. But, but there are still biblical principles that should illuminate and inform the way that we treat. Uh, others and how we live our lives. And that's what I'm trying to come back to. And and I think this is what God's reminded us. Hey, before you judge and you're too harsh, you were an immigrant once before. Pretty much Ooh. anybody listening to this podcast, again, unless you were a, a, a native a, a person here from, an indigenous person here from from this this region of the world or wherever you may happen to be listening from, you're, you're an immigrant. I, I, my family is immigrants. Buster, some, some people right. were forced immigrants, you know, but, but uh, whatever way, shape or form, we were immigrants and most likely. And, and so we need to, to should give us a spirit of, of maybe humility and, and a little bit of, of kindness. Psalm 146 verse nine says, the Lord preserved the stranger. He relieved the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. So, you know, God has a special place in his heart for those who are disempowered and disenfranchised and challenged, you know, thinking fatherless. You don't have the, and especially in the ancient Near East, that was your support system, right? It's your family. Right. So you don't have the usual support system that that you might expect or anticipate that that most people would hopefully have. And we look in the New Testament, Romans 12, verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So again, we're, this is not, uh, you know, when you feel like it's this, uh, we're mandated. This is part of our Christian experience to help those who are in need. And so yes. when our churches take up offerings to do things, you know, to, to help those in the community, I know sometimes people say, well, I only want to give to like evangelistic meetings and things like that. Well, and those have a very important and useful purpose, any kind of public outreach, but, but even those things where we don't necessarily overtly, you know, when we're helping those in need, it might be as simple as a meal or helping them find a shelter for the, for the night or something like that. Those are just as much and just as important as anything else that we do in our Christian experience. And, and that's, we're just, it's, it says share. There's no conditions. Exactly. You know, it just, it's, it's, that's what we're commanded to do. It's a spirit of responsibility. God's, God's given us. By the way, I, I've, I've thought about this too. You know, there's, there's some people, well, people knock on the door. I've been a pastor. You have two buster people knock on the door. They want handouts all the time. Well, can you give everybody that asks? Well, it may not be possible to do that. And there can be ways in which you can help people. Lots it of may ways. not Lots be the way that someone asks, but it doesn't mean that you cannot help them. And just because it may not help the way that people want, doesn't mean we shouldn't stop and look for intentional ways to do that. So right. we practice that hospitality. And last but not least, I don't want to belabor this too much, but back to the Old Testament again, Leviticus 23, 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your field. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigners residing among you. I am the Lord, your God. And, and so in, remember the ancient Near East, this is an agricultural world and saying, don't use up all of the resources so much that those who are on the margins of society can't have that little bit of extra help enough to survive on that little bit of buffer. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Yeah, please don't be greedy. You know, look for ways 
that when other people are just trying and, and just struggling to survive, that might you might just be able to throw them that little bit of lifeline that will make all the difference. And I like that. He didn't say just go gather it up yourself, all of it, and then give like 10% to the poor. He said, no, leave some in the field. So they yeah. they have the dignity to actually work for it and be able to get a little bit that they need to be able to survive on. So God's working within that social, political milieu to try to find ways that that can help and make a difference to people. So, which is yes. the topic of Wednesday's lesson, you know, helping the hurting, you know, how how do we help? Yeah, you know, Michael, that what you just shared, though, gives me a, another idea that came through about uh, a conversation I had with another person. And this person was saying that the only thing that separates us from one another is, of course, our race, nationality, how we look and all those different things. But he said, he said, we don't choose who we're born to. And he's like, most of us that are, are set or have things in life, he said, oftentimes our parents gave us a platform, whether it's through being born to a certain social and economic status or through them, their sacrifices and everything else, or through their mental uh, capacity to be able to handle things. And they oftentimes start us off on a platform. And then with that, we add our own hard work. And we are able to climb up more, but there's people that are, you know, have not chosen how they're born and they're born into very abusive situations. They're born into extreme poverty. They're born into all sorts of things and they need help from others. Like it's just yeah. no getting around it. Uh, there's some mm -hmm. people that I know that are extremely hardworking that make very little money every single year. And we we're talking about it with, once again, with Samson and and he was sharing a person who had a had a problem with jewelry. And he said, you know, when I when I did a Bible study for myself and found that a two dollar earring from Claire's is far more agreeable than a brand new. <laughs> he just put it out there. He he said, I'll, I'll go out there. He said a four hundred thousand dollar car. He said, you come and you roll up to the parking lot with a two dollar earring. He's like, OK. He's like, but you show up with a four hundred thousand dollar car. He's like, and by the way. Someone can be a multimillionaire and that's a penny to them. That, that, he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, but when you show up to that and there's people in your congregation that have literally not eaten that week because they're starving and they don't have resources, they, they don't have means, that's the issue that Christ has. When there yeah. are people in your city, in your town, that, that and listen here, sometimes there are resources available to them and there's help for that. But when there's no, when there's no inclination uh, of the Christian church, of the Adventist church to actually do something about it. That's when we have the issue, when there's such a discrepancy that we're, we're not moved, we're not moved with compassion, splagizomai, as the New Testament puts it, uh, moved yeah. to actually do something about it. That's the issue that Christ has. And that mm -hmm. actually takes us to Wednesday's lesson, to help the hurting. This is what Christ was about. Luke chapter four, verse 18. And I'm going to couple Love this it. with verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, talking about Jesus, and when he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has mm. sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of, the sight, of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Then he yeah. closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all, uh, all eyes were upon him. They're fixated upon him because this was someone who spoke with authority and someone who spoke counterculturally to what they were doing. And this is, this is where we live today. Once again, we have all the excuses in the world to not take care of the poor. Oh, they're going to spend it on drugs or they're going to use it on alcohol. Oh, they're never going to come and join the church. Well, wh which of these does Christ say is acceptable? None of these. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to even be much. Uh, right now, our church, Michael, we work in tandem with a group called the Crowley House of Hope. And you're exactly right. There's people that come through and they beg for money. And we say, you know, sorry, we don't give out cash. We don't give out money. We do take people and we fill up gas tanks. And another thing that we do, we will take you and we'll get groceries. We'll give you a, a, an HEB gift card, specifically HEB or Kroger, because you can't use those on alcohol or cigarettes. They have, a, they have a policy for that. Those are local stores that are around. So there are things that you can do. But then also, if someone's in dire need or deeper need, we can send them to Crowley House of Hope and we give a foundation there every month to where they can actually work with and they have the tools to know whether someone's story pans out. Because I don't know about you, I don't like trying to figure out if someone's story pans out. I know, I know of other families that spend Sabbath afternoon putting together care packages that just has water, some crackers and some snacks in it. And when they see homeless at the corner, they hand it to them. Some are appreciative, some are not. It doesn't matter. No. It's about going extra and doing more. And even as I'm sharing this, Michael, I'm convicted. I need to do more. I, right. I, I show up to Sabbath and I give monetarily to different missions around the world. But there are things locally that Christ is calling us to do as well. Uh, yeah. And it finishes us off with Matthew 25, 34 through 40. And many of us are very familiar with this text, but it's the text that shared in our memory text when you've done it, one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. Verse 36, I was, I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. When you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, my sisters, you've mm. done it unto me. So wow. that's the call. The beckoning call is to go and do likewise. And let's feed Christ. Let's clothe Christ. Let's uh, do all these things in the name and for the glory of Christ. And Michael, all of this is done according to Thursday's lesson with greater love. So share with us. Yeah, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so, I mean, this is the ultimate sacrifice. And we can think of people who have laid down their lives, many missionaries who've laid down their lives. We can think of you know, individuals who maybe have had a, a loved one or a family member yes. and there was some disaster or tragedy and, and, and selflessly gave their life at a moment that saved another person's life or even in battle, right? We can think of stories like that. Uh, but, you know, ultimately we think of Jesus who laid down his life as the king of the universe for us so that we could have eternal life so we can have salvation. And uh, when we, when we get a grasp, a, a glimpse of, of how significant that is, you know, Ellen White, as you alluded to earlier, she says in Desire of Ages, you know, by love is love awakened. And, and that's, that, that is that greater love that awakens love in each of our hearts to realize what God has done for us. And Amen. when we do that, when we see that, I mean, then all of those other kinds of things where we help other people, whether it's homeless or 
the disenfranchised or the poor, the needy, whatever you may want to use to describe that seems such a small thing in, in comparison, such a, such a even trivial thing. And, and I, I get it. I get it that it's hard sometimes because you don't want to, like you were just sharing a few minutes ago, you want to be responsible. You want to actually help people and not have people, you know, use their, you know, donate money that ends up being used for things that could be harmful to people. And but that doesn't relinquish us from the responsibility of helping. And that may mean that we need to do something a little bit more. And I, my heart was convicted with a friend of mine in, in downtown DC. We're talking about the homeless problem, you know, that all these homeless individuals that are there and, and what he told me, and he, he's had just such a, a burden for helping the homeless is that he's taken the time to start learning their names. And I realized that some are, you know, people that just move around, that there's a, often a permanent homeless population in different areas and actually take the time to get to know. And, and I saw Jesus at work just this last week, Buster, down the street from where we happen to live. And, and there's a, a gentleman, he he's has some real significant challenges and, and just kind of lives outside most of the time, you know, and, and I saw a gentleman come by and sit next to him. And, and no, normally I see him very despondent. But then just to see the joy in that man's face, that here's this person who Clarity. everyone else, you know, had rejected, you know, that, that just literally living in a little chair disheveled at, at the end of the road, uh, in our, in our, in our town, in our city. And, and to have, I never know where I'm going to see him. He pops up in different places all throughout the city. But here's this man who took the time and out of his day. And, and so I'm driving off to go run an errand buster and I see him coming and sitting next to him. And I'll never forget the smile on his face when I saw that. And then I came back from running my errands. It's probably a good hour later. I kid you not. And there he was still in rapt attention. And I thought to myself, you know, that's how we deal with homelessness is not by, you know, throwing money at people or whatever, but by actually learning people's stories, learning their names, caring, loving the name of Jesus to others. And so I, I saw Jesus at work through this, through this neighbor, you know, taking that, that moment to be incarnational, to be relational and, and ministering and helping those who are in fact very much hurting. And, and that is our privilege. And that's how. God's love changes and transforms us. Greater love has no man. Well, give one's life down, you know, and that's not just the the moment of actually sacrificing, but investing one's life and being relational with others. And that's what God did for us through Jesus Christ. You know, Michael, I'm going to replace that that line because I think, of course, there's the ultimate sacrifice that Christ did, but greater Mm -hmm. love has no man than this, that he lays down his paycheck, that he lays down his time, that he lays down his car, that he lay, like these are all Whatever. instruments we can use that are a part of our lives that they can be used in order to extend the, the healing ministry of Christ. And this is what we're called to do. Amen. All right. Well, that covers another week of uh, Mission to the Needy. I don't know what that might look for you, but I challenge you as you think through the lesson this week that God might just be tugging on your heartstrings to, to reach out and maybe learn the name of that that person in your community who's struggling and whatever that might look like for you. It's probably going to look different for each person. The Holy Spirit can convict our hearts and lead and guide us to someone that we can make a difference in their lives. Well, you've yeah. been listening to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast and thank you for listening. Until next week. 
we invite you to come back and, and join us each week as we go through this Sabbath school lesson. Until next week, this is Soup. It's Swoops. Signing out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SaddleSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.